0: closer mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellett. Over the course of the past decade, there have been glaring discrepancies surrounding the role of the minor league baseball system. Whether it's been scrambling to reorganize daily life following a trade, only working half the year, or trying to find adequate housing for four to six month stints, being a minor leaguer is hardly the half step down from the glitz and glamour of major league baseball that it's perceived as. I brought on Chase Illig today to prove and dispel those perceptions. Itlick grew up in the Virginian urban sprawl of Washington, D.C. and became accustomed to playing many sports, but none at an organized level.
1: Um, it was more just like backyard stuff where I would hit wiffle balls with my mom and dad. Uh, we had a basketball hoop in the backyard, so played basketball, would throw the football with my dad. So I, uh, I did a little bit of it all in the backyard, but um, I always liked baseball and basketball the best.
0: When his family moved to Bluefield, West Virginia, when he was seven, Illick continued to play casually, but baseball began to steadily take the front seat.
1: I started playing travel when I was like 15 or 16. Um, Before that, I just played in like local leagues and played uh, middle school. So like my freshman year of high school after that season was the first year that I really traveled and played. Um, And uh, going around and playing and Numerous tournaments, there was a lot of colleges in attendance some weekends, So that's when I kind of started my sophomore year when I kind of started getting attention from colleges.
0: Baseball recruiting begins in early high school. And an NCAA study concluded that 46 percent of Division One baseball prospects received their first contact with a D1 coach before junior year. Illig was playing travel ball at the time and working out of IMG Academy, and the schools began rolling in.
1: Virginia Commonwealth. Um, I was actually committed to College of Charleston and went there for a semester my freshman year down in South Carolina, um, Radford, Virginia Tech. So there was there was a few other schools that I was um, being recruited by.
0: The catcher stayed at College of Charleston for a season, but realized that he needed to prioritize family when his situation at home became dire.
1: Like the majority of the reason was at the time, my grandma was battling brain cancer, so I just wanted to be closer to home and um, be able to, when I transferred, when you transferred from division one to division one at the time, I don't know if the rules changed you, uh, you weren't eligible to play. So I knew that like that semester was probably from like the way it looked, that was like the last semester I'd be able to like see her before she passed away, which ended up coming true. Um, so I was able to go home on the weekends, spend time with her while she was going through that. So that, that was ultimately like the main reason.
0: Illick transferred significantly closer to home in 2017 up to Morgantown, West Virginia, to play for head coach Randy Mazie and the West Virginia Mountaineers. His two seasons in Morgantown produced a two hundred twenty three batting average, including 35 RBIs and eight home runs. Those stats were good enough to get him professional looks. He was finally achieving the dreams of the little boy playing backyard baseball. When he opted to forego his senior year with the Mountaineers, Illig was in talks with Major League scouts right out of the gate. The most intriguing offer came out of Yankee Stadium.
1: It was a little bit of like a holy crap moment because it's one of those things where it's like I talked to them a lot leading into the draft and they're like yeah like you think we're going to pick you we're going to think you, we're going to pick you but as the rounds went by it was like well maybe they won't and then when I finally saw it because uh, I was following the draft along on my phone um I saw my name pop up on the screen chase the league drafted by the Yankees uh and then about like 30 seconds later I got a phone call so it was it was pretty cool it was a pretty surreal moment
0: Illick was selected 885th overall by the New York Yankees in the 2019 MLB draft. And the whirlwind of minor league baseball was about to smack him in the face.
1: Uh, the scout that I had been talking to was like, hey, um, he's like, do you know why I'm calling you? And I was like, yeah, I just, just like just saw it on, on my phone pop up right before you called me. And uh, so he was like, yeah, he was like, man, we're, we're excited to, to get you down here. And uh, then it was a pretty quick turnaround. They're like, yeah, we're going to like just I had to get back to the draft room just wanted to call you say we picked you and then I'll be I'll talk to you in a couple hours and it was like okay he called me like 7 p.m that night it was like all right we're flying you out tomorrow morning at 8 a.m to come down to Tampa to sign so make sure like you have everything packed and go so that was that was a little bit of a of a crazy moment I thought I'd at least have like a couple days but it was like holy crap I gotta pack up my whole apartment Um, because my lease was over I had to pack my clothes up I had to have my dad drive my passport up because I need my passport. It was just, I mean, it was, it was a crazy couple of hours that night. Then like the first thing that popped in my head was, Oh my gosh, like, I need to pack my whole apartment up. So I started, uh, I started packing a little bit, but thankfully my girlfriend was still in Morgantown. So like once I left, she packed it, like she packed the rest of it up. But I, uh, I didn't know like how much I needed to pack for, cause I knew I was going to be gone from like the, from when I left Tampa, I was gonna be gone for the next five or six months from June to pretty much October. So I wanted to make sure that I took enough that I was like, wasn't missing anything, but didn't want to take too much to where it was more of a hassle to take stuff around. So it was kind of like sorting out stuff, resorting and resorting like five or six times. It's like, okay, this is the final like product of what I'm going to pack to take. Um, You know, calling um, all my support system. Like obviously the first person I called was my dad, um, like my mom and dad. And then called uh coach Maisie let him know that i was gonna sign you know just uh coaches i had in the past just all that it was it was crazy so that day like i said i got i flew down i think my flight landed at like 9 30 or 10. i got picked up by the by my scout that drafted me at the airport we went straight to the complex and i had to go through the whole physical process <laughs> So it was uh, like seeing team doctors going through the physical exams, um, blood work, all that stuff, making sure that that was all good to go. I didn't have any issues, problems there. And then uh, so I was there for probably five or six hours doing that. And then finally, uh, everything came back clean. Doctors like, yeah, he's good to go. No, no issues that we see. So then I signed the contract like probably six hours after I I got down there. So it it was a
0: long day. In Tampa, Florida, and ready to begin living his dream of playing professional baseball, Illig was struck by the chaos of moving around in the way that minor leaguers are used to. He was drafted and then immediately signed with the Gulf Coast League Yankees East to play rookie ball. He put up a 250 average through 14 games, including 36 at bats, two doubles, a home run, and six RBIs.
1: So, I they had pretty much all the new draft guys staying in Tampa for a couple weeks to a month. So, I was down in Tampa playing rookie ball for the first, like, three weeks, four weeks. Um, Then after that, I got the call from our manager down in the Gulf Coast League, and he said, hey, I have some good news and bad news. The bad news is I'm going to miss having you around. The good news is you're getting moved up to Staten Island, which was, uh, like, short season A. So that's where most of the guys in college, like, at that time started out there. Uh, careers. It was either rookie ball or there. So that was like the, the higher end of where like first year players would start. So I finished from like middle of July through the season up in Staten Island.
0: After his short stint in rookie ball, he was moved up to the short season single A affiliate, the Staten Island Yankees, to play the rest of the 2019 season. He was given affordable housing on Staten Island for the 10 remaining games, a luxury that he didn't realize so few minor leaguers were afforded.
1: From 2019 to now, the Yankees have always taken really good care of us. Like in 2019, um, if you were in short season A or down, what they did was um, you had a roommate and you guys lived in a hotel and it was just $10 a day taken out of your paycheck. So it wasn't bad at all. You can't find housing for, for cheaper than that unless you have, you know, 10 guys living with you in a lot of the areas um, around New York. So that wasn't bad at all. Um, Obviously, in 2020, we had the Corona year, so we like you were away, but the Yankees were still paying us. So that helped out a a tremendous amount. And then this past year um, when I was in double A and triple A, they got us discounted hotel. So it was in double A. We had like an extended stay that um, you and your roommate had a full bedroom, full bathroom to yourself and then shared living room and kitchen. It was like 40 bucks a night per person. So it was like super cheap, super affordable. And then uh, in AAA, it was same thing. We had a hotel right by the, uh, right by the ballpark, and it was like fifty bucks a person if you had a roommate. So both were super affordable options that they helped a tremendous amount out with that. In
0: 2021, in the wake of COVID 19's impact on live sports, Major League Baseball signed a housing policy memorandum that detailed specifics for in-season housing beginning in 2022. For many minor leaguers who make less than $15,000 a year playing baseball, securing housing is crucial. November 2021 issued the first league mandate of affordable housing for these players during their seasons. MLB teams will now be required to provide furnished living accommodations for all minor leaguers beginning next season. This ruling provides secure housing to more than 90% of minor league players. Those excluded are players who make six-figure salaries over the course of a full season. The initiative includes increased salaries, improved facilities, and reduced in-season travel as its initial steps. Illich says that this protocol changes the way that he and his teammates will live during the season, but the impact is not completely positive.
1: I think initially, like, everyone's like, man, that's, that's awesome. But I think what it's going to end up being, I was talking to someone about this the other day, was how they just cut out a quarter of minor league baseball so they could pay guys more. Well, now teams are going to have to pay... Are obligated to pay more money per player, so I think it's going to end up maybe not immediately, but down the road a couple years, it's going to end to like another like player like cut where they cut the draft to ten rounds instead of twenty. They cut teams where they have three minor league teams instead of five now. Where some guys, where some teams had eight two years ago, guys have five now, and then I think that's initial like that's like down the road that's what's going to happen where they it's like another cut where just not as many guys are getting the opportunity to to be able to play
0: in order to combat the changing policies major league baseball has mental skills coordinators and sports psychologists in all 30 mlb clubhouses and additional sports psychologists who travel to the affiliates these individuals help the athletes through transitions in and outside of sport elix says that the difference these professionals have made is crucial to furthering the game as a catcher, it's important for him to be able to shake everything else off when he gets behind the batter's box. Anything going on in his head has to be compartmentalized in order for him to do his job the best he can.
1: It's one of those things where it's like you're the only position on the field where everyone's facing towards you. So it's like all eyes are on you at all times. So no matter like how you feel that day, you have to show up with like the same attitude, same work ethic, and be able to to help lead the pitching staff into having success because it's like, as soon as you have a day where it's like, you don't bring the energy or like, man, I'm just not feeling it today. And you, you're a little on the lazy side. Everyone notices that. And then it's, that's like, everyone starts feeding off that. So it's like, however you act is how the team's going to act. If you're, you know, you bring energy, you're leading on the field, like a quarterback does uh, with football. It's like, okay, yeah, I can, like, I'm ready to play this game. We can, we can get behind this guy like I said, everyone's all eyes are on you. You have full vision of the field. So it's one of those things where you you have to be able to lead guys because there's going to be, like with pitching, it's like not very often it's a guy throw a complete game. So you're going to have to be able to lead multiple guys uh, throughout the game and to, and to having success with what you see and uh, being able to, like a ball sit in the gap, be able to make the rate right relays because guys are all moving and you're, you're watching to watching everything in front of you, so you have to make the right reads, the right calls at all times. After the game is over, I'm more mentally tired than physically tired. It's like every pitch, you know, 150 pitches out of the game, you have to be locked in 100% because it could be, you could mess up and from what a batter's doing, you call a wrong pitch one time, that guy hits a two-run homer and you lose two to one. And it's like one of those things where it's like you like you feel like it's it's your fault. You take the blame. So you have to try like every pitch be locked in 100% to make sure that you're doing everything you can to make the right decisions in that moment.
0: Illig acknowledges that his job becomes less about him as soon as his pitcher throws the first ball. His job is to take the stress off the pitcher and relay information under duress.
1: You have to go about it from what I've seen with just a complete selfless manner because you can't take into account like your own like personal wants and desires if you're going to catch because it could be like I said it's days where a guy just doesn't have his his stuff and he's you know spiking balls in the dirt throwing balls over the place just really just beating the crap out of you back there but you have to be able to stay even keel you have to be able to go out and like talk him through it like hey dude like no big deal you know we'll fight this together just just keep going trusting me I trust in you like Let's get after it together. So it's one of those things where you just have to be completely selfless if you want to be the leader that you need to be back there when you catch. Because one of those things, it's like you're like everyone's first time back there with a the guy that's throwing balls all over the place, spiking. Of course, mentally you're gonna be like, "Oh my gosh, like this is terrible." You're like, "I I don't want to be back here with this guy throwing." Um, but then you have to get like be able to learn how to be like, okay, like this guy doesn't have his best stuff, but I have to be even better physically back here to help him and be able to, on the mental side, try to just coach him through as best I can while we're in the thick of things.
0: The roving sports psychologists assist these kind of mentalities via Zoom and text, but also in person when they stop by during the season.
1: They've done like a phenomenal job with that. We have uh, two coordinators that um, are like with that stuff where they weekly we'll get text messages about like articles and, you know, dealing with failure in the game and not taking success too high. And then also every couple of weeks they would have, like they would travel to um, the different affiliates and stay for three, four five days and, um, you know, meet with us one-on-one, make sure everything's going all right. And like, Hey, if you need anything from us, we're a phone call or text away. If we, if we can provide you any more, you know, books or articles or anything that you're interested in, let us know. So, I mean, they've been, top-notch 100% like awesome with that from the time guys signed at 16 in the and they're sent into the Dominican Summer League with the Yankees they have mental conditioning coaches there so it's like once they get over here stateside when they're a little bit older they're already kind of well versed in it for a couple years um but it would be interesting to see like when guys sign at that young age like the difference between then and when they're 19 18 19 20 when they come over to the, the states
0: Issues arise when those people don't exist when they're needed most.
1: I would say in most cases, it makes it kind of tougher because a lot of teams that are in the amateur ranks don't have mental skills or mental strength coach or uh, mental conditioning coaches or anyone really that guys can voice their opinions to. So it's one of those things where it's like if you don't personally go seek out people then it's just not going to be something for you because it might be i see it might be something that coaches let slip through the cracks because it's just the last thing on your mind because you're worried about putting guys in position to perform on the field and the last thing that you're kind of thinking about is the mental side because the physical side's what's just focused on because that's the product you see on the field whether it's your you know high school going to college or your a guy that just signed at 16, 17, 18 to play professional baseball, it's going to be like a culture shock because you're going to be for the most of the time, you're going to go away from home for the first time. A lot of people don't know how to deal with that. Um, so it's just like people get homesick. They don't like, man, I don't want to do want to do this. I want to go back home. So it's a lot of, a lot of change. And that can be really tough and can wear on people from what I've seen
0: during the weeks and months without these presences around the clubhouse, Gillick has taken it upon himself to be the voice of safety for those potentially struggling through slumps and uncertain futures.
1: I would try to like make it a point to go around to everybody in the clubhouse, whether it's right when I got to the facility or just anytime before game time to kind of just make sure I like I got with, with everybody and talk to them like, hey, like, how are things going today? Like, how, how are you feeling? If I, and especially if I see a guy that's like, he looks like he's kind of dragging or doesn't seem like he's his normal self. Like he's normally like a happy-go-lucky guy and he's more like quiet, you know, pulling aside like, hey, dude, like, are your eyes or anything? Like I can do to, to help you out with, like if you need just someone to, to voice something to, like I'm here for you type thing. So it's like I wouldn't directly come out and say it because I know if like some guys might be a little standoffish if you bring up, because like it might not seem masculine if you're like, hey, dude, like I'm here for your mental health type deal where instead you're like, just being able to be like, hey, if there's anything going on, just like, feel free to feel free to talk to me. I'm just I'm an open voice or open ears for for you to voice anything you need.
0: Illig says that he's seen teammates resist help seeking behaviors because of a preconceived notion of therapy being, quote, unmanly, and he's trying to combat that thought process.
1: I would say not like it's not a voiced like opinion, but I feel like just with social media and stuff, it's. People always feel like if you're a guy, like you have to be mentally tough and you can't let stuff get to you. But matter of fact, is like this is not going to happen. Like everyone has a point where it's like something slips through the cracks, no matter if you're male or female. That's like, man, this is starting to really weigh heavy on my heavy on my conscience, heavy on my brain. I, I need someone to, to talk to about it.
0: If you think you'd benefit from talking to someone about what's weighing heavily on your conscience, I have a perfect opportunity for you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'm so thrilled to be working with them. All of the stories I've told thus far have been the vulnerabilities of elite athletes and team personnel. But what happens before they're comfortable speaking about some of the most difficult times in their lives on such a public forum? Nearly all of them have utilized either a sports psychologist or a therapist. Now I'm bringing that option to you, the listeners. If you've ever listened to a Closer Mentality episode and thought, I feel the exact same way, I've partnered with BetterHelp to bring online therapy to your phone and computer. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat options, and you can speak to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed therapists around the country, and you have access to them at any time. You can get thoughtful messages from your therapist, and if you aren't happy, it's free to change providers. If you're worried about the cost of traditional talk therapy, BetterHelp also plans for that. They offer financial aid if funding is the only thing standing between you and getting the help you need. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for all Closer Mentality listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com forward slash Closer Mentality. That's betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. Thanks again for BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The link is also in the show notes. Now, let's get back to Chase's story. Being away from loved ones while they're in season weighs heavily on Illig and his teammates' minds.
1: There were a couple guys that were um, they had been playing for a couple of years and it's, they have their significant other back home, whether it was their girlfriend or wife. And it's like, man, like I haven't seen her. And like, we haven't been able to be together in two, three months. It's it stinks type deal. So it's, that's more of what I've seen is like, not the, like the play going good or bad that wears on them. It's just like being away from their loved ones for an extended period of time. Cause, um, like in double A AA and triple A, we had some guys that had kids at home and it was like, I know one of the um, conversations one day was, you know, during spring training when my wife and son were in town, we were teaching him how to, we were trying, like, just starting potty training him. And then, you know, I haven't seen him for a couple months. He comes back and he needs to go to the bathroom. I go in there with him. And he's like, no, Dad, like, I can do it myself now. So he's like, just be like, having to miss that stuff is like harder than anything that some guys deal with on the field.
0: Illig's experience with the Yankees organization has been nothing but positivity, though. He's never felt as though he was just a player, and he's seen the front office facilitate opportunities for those in need.
1: I know with us, at least we we have access to like everyone in the organization's um, contact information. So it's one of those things where it's you know we have like three or four different mental coaches. Where it's like if you have one that you'd rather talk to than the other, like you just text them or reach out and be like, hey. Is there any way, you know, within the next couple of days, we could make a time to, to meet and either, you know, FaceTime, Skype, talk on the phone, just anything, or are you planning on coming in town this week? Because if you are, I'd love to meet with you one-on-one. It might not be what you want to hear, but it's going to be the honest truth. So that's, that's one thing that I've really respected throughout the time is like they don't try to hide anything. They're completely upfront with you and answer any questions you have.
0: In the offseason, Illig helps coach baseball clinics back in West Virginia, and his season with the Yankees' AAA affiliate Scranton Wilkes-Barre Railriders, Riders begins in April 2022. You can also keep up with what Chase is doing in the offseason by following him on Instagram at ChaseIllig30. While you're over there, give at CloserMental a follow as well. You can also follow our content on Twitter at CloserMental and on the Closer Mentality Uncensored YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in to the 43rd episode of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellett. Next week, I'm bringing on Canadian bull rider, Coy Robbins, to talk about his experience working through the bull riding ranks and how he deals with the precision that the sport requires. But until then, see you next week.